stealing from other people is a bad thing, right? I mean, maybe not in the medieval Robin Hood type scenario, but I think we can all agree that most of the time it's a highly punishable crime and not a great ethical decision. And yet, heist films have been a popular movie genre since the 1950s. Audiences go nuts for a bank robbery plot or an art heist flick or a blockbuster franchise about stealing cars. I have to admit, I'm a big fan myself. Theft makes for some pretty great entertainment. I mean, it's action-packed. How could you not love it? But of course, real life isn't like the movies, and being a crook doesn't usually end well, even in the movies. So that got me wondering about the reality of all things cops and robbers, the FBI, the most infamous thieves in history, and how crime has evolved with technology. And today, I'm going to share what I've learned with you. So put your hands where I can see the know-it-alls. This episode is a stick-up, and believe me, it's going to be a wild ride. Hi, my name is Bella, and you might know me as Jay is from TikTok or YouTube. But you're about to know me from this podcast, Know-It-All. And each episode, I'm going to help you become a know-it-all about something new. Here we go. Right now, you might be like, Bella, you seem like a law-abiding person. What happened? Why are you suddenly obsessed with crime? I'll tell you what happened. Remember the riddle at the end of last episode? What is the TV series where Tokyo is actually in Spain? If you know the answer, shout it out on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Money Heist. That's right. In the Netflix show Money Heist, or La Casa de Papel, Tokyo is actually in Spain. Let me explain. Money Heist is a Spanish series about a group of criminals codenamed after cities. One of the main characters is a badass chick who goes by Tokyo. The series starts with a crazy plan to pull off a heist of 2.4 billion. Yeah, you heard that right billion euros from the Royal Mint of Spain. Things don't go exactly as planned, and, well, you have to watch a show to find out what happens. Who do you think I am? TV guide? As we all know, the entertainment industry and viewers alike, me included, love a good heist premise. We'll get to that. But first, what's the true story behind these sensationalized tales? Let's go back in time. And start with the gateway to big-time heists, the good old-fashioned bank robbery. The thing to remember when Don't we tell me how to rob a bank. I know how to rob a bank. According to the Crime Museum, historians believe that the first bank robbery in the United States took place on February 13, 1866 in Liberty, Missouri, when associates of Jesse and Frank James robbed the Clay County Savings Association. I've heard of Jesse James before. There was a paragraph about him in my middle school history book, and I know that Brad Pitt played him in a movie, but I didn't realize there was a political aspect to his crime spree. You see, the bank was owned by former Republican militiamen, and the James brothers and their associates were ex-Confederates. Keep in mind, this was right after the Civil War, so it's safe to assume that the James brothers and their bandit friends were feeling a little desperate and not too happy about the outcome. So the James gang robbed this bank and escaped with $60,000. They also wounded an innocent bystander during their getaway. But unfortunately, that did not slow them down. Soon after, the James brothers joined forces with an outlaw named Cole Younger and some other ex-Confederates to form the James Younger Gang. They became notorious for robbing banks and stagecoaches throughout the Wild West, often in front of large crowds of people. That is, until Jesse James was assassinated in 1882. I shot Jesse James. By someone on the fringes of his own gang who murdered him for the reward money. According to History.com, Jesse James' tombstone read, Murdered by a traitor and a coward whose name is not worthy to appear here. 
Another legendary outlaw gang in the early 1900s was dubbed the Wild Bunch. Led by Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, the Wild Bunch mostly stuck to robbing trains. But they were responsible for several bank robberies, including one at the First Nation Bank in Nevada for over $32,000. I know $32,000 doesn't sound like a lot of money, but adjusted for inflation, it comes out to over a million dollars in today's money. And eventually, these bad guys were played by two of Hollywood's most beloved actors. Paul Newman is Butch Cassidy, and the Sundance Kid is Robert Redford. The Great Depression and the desperation of the era brought with it an uptick in violent crime and a fresh crop of bank robbers. History.com says many Americans who had lost confidence in their government, especially in their banks, saw these daring figures as outlawed heroes during the 1930s, or what is sometimes referred to as the public enemy era. J. Edgar Hoover was the director of the FBI at the time, and he created the public enemies list as a publicity stunt to draw attention to wanted criminals already charged with crimes. These public enemies included John Dillinger, Babyface Nelson, Pretty Boy Floyd, and Bonnie and Clyde. I mean, who comes up with these names? Did their parents know they were going to be famous crooks? But despite being media darlings, real life on the run wasn't as glamorous as it seemed to be. And the life expectancy of a public enemy was low. None of the people I just listed lived to be older than 31. However, their reputations far outlived them. That's Bonnie, Faye Dunaway. That's Clyde, Warren Beatty. And within decades of their deaths, they all have been immortalized on film. The public enemies list eventually morphed into the FBI's 10 most wanted list. Victor Manuel Guerrera holds the record for the longest amount of time spent on the top 10 list. He was added in 1984 and was on the list for 32 years after what became known as the White Eagle Armed Robbery of a Wells Fargo in Connecticut in September of 1983. Garena got away with $7 million in cash, the equivalent of $18 million today, making it the largest cash heist in U.S. history at the time. He's still a fugitive and currently believed to be living in Cuba. So that was a fun history lesson, but let's talk about modern-day bank robbery. According to the FBI, there were 2,975 bank robberies in 2018. The most popular day to rob a bank is on a Friday, and the majority of these crimes were committed by men. Former FBI agent Brad Garrett told ABC News, if you look at the numbers, it's people with addiction problems who have fallen off the financial bandwagon. Oftentimes, robbers successfully make it out of the bank with several thousand dollars. In 2010, the average loot was $7,500. They spend the stolen money quickly, so it's typically not recovered. But they don't usually get away with it for long. Bank robbery has one of the highest arrest rates of any crime in the U.S. Around 60% or more of robbery cases are solved. According to the U.S. News, if you become a serial bank robber by the fourth bank, you're more likely to be behind bars than walking the streets. A single count of armed bank robbery carries a minimum of seven years in prison and can bring up to a 25-year sentence. The truth is, in the 21st century, a conventional robber targeting brick-and-mortar bank locations almost seems quaint. These days, bank robbers just need to be a whiz on the computer. According to the FBI, millions of dollars are stolen from banks and related businesses annually, while an estimated $1 trillion is stolen via cyber bank heists each year. Hackers have become a bigger threat to the banking industry than Bonnie and Clyde could have ever imagined. The word heist sounds fancy, doesn't it? So obviously, I can't do this episode without talking about art heists, otherwise known as art napping. 
Word alert. Know-it-alls, you know what that means. We just got a word alert. No, this is not a drill. I know art napping sounds like it was just made up as a joke, but it's a real word. Crazy, right? If I was going to throw up a guess, I'd say art napping is when you're so creative, it's borderline exhausting and you have to lie down and take a nap for a minute. Hmm. But it actually means stealing art for resale or ransom. The largest value art napping occurred in 1990 at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston. 13 works by various artists worth a combined 500 million were taken during the heist. The case remains unsolved. According to the museum's website, there's an active, ongoing investigation. The museum is offering a $10 million reward for information leading to the recovery of the stolen works. Interestingly, Interpol statistics indicate that the countries with the most art theft are Iraq and Afghanistan. And though the chances of recovering stolen artwork are low, recovery rates are just 5-8%, to the city where you're most likely to track down your stolen art is Paris. According to the book Stealing Rembrandt, it's very difficult to sell famous artwork without getting caught. It's also risky to display the stolen art. Um, not trying to offend art thieves or anything, but doesn't it sort of defeat the purpose of having art if you can't hang it on the wall or sell it? But perhaps the most mind-blowing thing I learned while researching this episode is that the biggest casino heist of all time didn't even happen in Las Vegas. It happened in Australia. That's right, a high roller at the Crown Casino in Melbourne won 32 million Australian dollars, or approximately 33.2 million US dollars over eight hands of cards. An unauthorized person was able to gain remote access to the casino's security system and... Wait a minute. This sounds like a plot of one of those Oceans movies. The heist is impossible. Casino security cannot be beaten. You're out of your minds. Exactly. Which brings us back to the entertainment industry, because despite the gritty underbelly of the criminal lifestyle, audiences cannot get enough. There are so many successful heist films, I haven't even scratched the surface. So where did Hollywood's fascination with heist begin? One of the early defining heist films released in 1950 was called The Asphalt Jungle. It was about robbers whose personal failings ultimately led to the failure of their robbery. Film Genre 2000 wrote it almost single-handedly popularized the genre for mainstream cinema. As entertainment writer Jade Badowski wrote for The Decider, no matter how you spin it, the heist movie is a damn near fail-safe method. When it's self-aware and understands the formula, it's undoubtedly a crowd-pleaser every single time. It's likely the plot twists, shootouts, backstabbing, and quippy one-letters will never go out of style. And that's probably why the heist movie won't either. And that wraps up today's episode. Thank you so much for being such a willing hostage as I stole your invaluable time and attention. You'll never get it back. Hit me up on TikTok and Instagram at OnlyJS or Twitter at NotJS and let me know your favorite thing you learned about heists. And please smash those five stars and leave a nice review. It's super easy. And when you rate and review the podcast, it helps other listeners find me. Curious what the next episode of Know It All will be about? I'll give you a hint. What can be done in real life, but doesn't actually exist? Think you know the answer? Leave a comment on social and I'll give a shout out to somebody who gets it right in the next episode. Join me again in two weeks for another episode of Know It All.